1: Up, My Take Radio episode 77 for Thursday, February 3rd, 2011. The music you just heard was Street Fighter Two, Frets of Fury. The artist for that is Vertex Guy. You can get that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347 324 Three, five, four, one. All right, let's start off with some housekeeping first, as always. Um, MTR 3.0 is going to be getting some new additions in the coming days. I will be adding a new tab for my own personal blog. Originally, I used to have a personal blog at uh, WordPress.com called Tales from the Brown Side, which was, um, let's just say, just more my personal musings and a little bit of insight into who I am as an individual as opposed to, you know, the typical ramblings about games and other stuff that are covered on the show and on the site. Um, I'm actually shifting it over to Tumblr, just because Tumblr is so much more accessible um, for mobile devices. There's going to be game stuff. There's going to be personal stuff posted there, just different little things being posted that would just add an extra dimension to MyTakeRadio.com, so that should be live on the site in a few days. I mean, right now it's it's on Tumblr already with some posts, but I will be integrating it into the site uh, probably by Saturday. In addition to that, of course, the forums, always active. Head there when you get a chance. If you haven't, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Um, we are about 36 or 37 members in, lots of great conversation covering most of the stuff that's covered on the show, plus a couple of extra things, uh, TV, Comics, toys, you name it, it's covered in the forums, plus a few other um, additions that will be done in the next few days that will help make the forum even more exciting for you guys. Also, there is a chat that you can access on the forum without needing to be a member. Just uh, click the forum button and you will see a chat there that also syncs with the chat bar that is on mytakeradio.com, the Wibia bar. Um, You can click that chat button as well and it automatically syncs with the chat button in the forum and it will allow you guys to chat live with me or Slick or any of the other MTR staff or even amongst yourselves. For those of you that love the warm embrace of Facebook and just never leave, we also added chat functionality to our Facebook fan page. If you get a moment, you can actually click the tab above the status bar and you will see that it has chat and you can log in and also chat directly from the fan page without having to leave Facebook. So definitely... um, A couple of enhancements being done across the board. Of course, there's been uh, some new posts from our content partners this week in wrestling. Uh, He gave a breakdown for the Royal Rumble, as well as posts from MMA Valor, so definitely check those out. Um, If you're getting our shows from iTunes, please take a few minutes and go to the review link and provide a review for the show. Just let people know what you like, what you dislike. Help us move up the rankings just so that we can get some more exposure. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can download the My Take Radio app. It's $1.99, and you can have the show with you at all times. Not only that, but it will also be giving you access to exclusive content. Right now, the exclusive content that's being added is for the Minority Film Report. Slick actually did one recently um, for Sharktopus, which was uh, very interesting and insightful, to say the least, and very humorous. Uh, definitely props to Slick for, for stepping up and running with that especially since I've been caught up in so much other shit. Uh, There will be more minority film reports going on with other MTR staff. Um, In addition, he will be doing a minority film report for Mega Shark versus Giant Croc or Croczilla or whatever the fuck. Typical sci-fi rubbish, Uh, so you can definitely expect to hear a lot of Slick's musings for that. Actually, I think that's the one he did recently. I'm all fucked up, but... Needless to say, there's, there, there's already a minority film report in there with Slick. I will, uh, I will check the other ones later on this evening, and if they are missing, I will add them also. And you can get them either from the iTunes feed for the show or through the MyTake Radio app. In addition to that, the MTR store is live. You can get your T-shirts at mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. T-E-E-S. A couple of different designs are up there already, as well as some hoodies, some shirts for the ladies. Uh, so if you want to show your support for MTR, you can pick up a shirt. Not super expensive. Spreadshirt does a really good job of shipping them out. There will be some tweaks done to the designs, but if you want to pick one up now, you can. And, of course, the Shorty Awards are still going on. If you are a Twitter user, take a moment. Head over to ShortyAwards.com and nominate MyTakeRadio either in the gaming or entertainment categories. So that's the housekeeping for this week. Uh, my guest this evening, should be calling in at 11.30, is Carrie Silkin? He is the president of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Uh, we're going to be discussing um, what's going on with Ring of Honor, especially now that they will be departing HDNet, what the future holds for the organization. Um, I'm definitely going to ask him about some of the things and some of the strengths that the organization has that set them apart from the major players in TNA and WWE. I also want to talk about... Uh, the talent exchanges with TNA and some of the stuff that's going on with that, and if we're going to be seeing more of that in the future. So it's going to definitely be a, an interesting conversation. So if you are tuning in to catch that, you'll be able to listen at 1130 when he calls in. Um, tonight's topics, we're going to be discussing Strike Force, their event. I want to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble, time permitting, uh, WWE Raw, a uh, ton of wrestling news, especially coming out of the Royal Rumble and last but not least, I, a, a shitload of movie and TV news. There's definitely a couple of what-the-fuck movie news, and there's even some what-the-fuck TV news this week, because there are some, some doozies this week that I'm sure are going to raise an eyebrow or two. Um, I want to discuss Henry Cavill's casting for Superman, also the potential leads for Lois Lane, um, a little bit of Batman movie news, and just a couple of TV shows that are definitely going to get people's attentions. But with that said, first things first, let's get into some MMA because there is a lot to discuss. All right, first off, of course, we are coming off the very, very solid strike force card this past weekend, which was very well done. Uh, there were a lot of really great fights. The main event was uh, Nick Diaz, and he was defending his belt against Evangelista Cyborg Santos. Also on that card was Robbie Lawler versus Jacare with Jacare's belt on the line. Um, first match that started it off was Hodger Gracie. He was fighting Trevor Prangley. Um, the Gracies, of course masters of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on the ground. Everybody kind of expected this to be rather formulaic with Gracie securing um, ground position and submitting Prangley, and sure as shit, that's exactly how it went. Um, You know, Gracie threw a couple of strikes to to start it off. Prangley, a lot of bouncing around, looking for an opening, at which point um, Gracie shoots in for a takedown, and Prangley had his back against the fence. Um, But Gracie managed to get... Prangley's legs in a grapevine, at which point Gracie transitioned super smooth uh to a to a back mount, at which point there was a reverse and they were chest to chest, but Prangley just had no no answer for uh Hodger Gracie. He ended up getting caught um with a choke. It was it was ridiculous. Definitely something that um this, you know, it was very expected. A lot of people were telling me that you know they were like you know the Gracies come in there and you know eighty nine eighty ninth and ninety percent of the time and that's a that's a shitty number that I was given at ninety percent of the time they come in there and they they are no joke on the ground and I was very impressed with Hodger Gracie he now moves on to a four and zero record in the light heavyweight division, um, uh, heavyweight bout with Hershel Walker and Scott Carson, um, a lot of people have, especially in the beginning when Herschel was fighting, they took a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to say how shitty Herschel Walker was going to be, how bad he was for the sport, um, his age, the fact that it was a sideshow, the fact that he was going to get hurt. And, he, and the man is taking great pride in proving all of his critics wrong. Even I was one of those critics at the time. I felt that um, this was not helping the organization and i will be the first to admit that i am 100% wrong. Herschel Walker is a great ambassador for the sport and you know, you're not expecting him to go out there and fight for any belts. He's just going out there to test himself physically and to entertain the fans and you know what? He doesn't he doesn't do a bad job. He was fighting Scott Carson who was um four and one going into the fight. Herschel Walker though was a beast. He was a beast and he just caught him with the strikes with a TKO in round 1. Um, great performance by Herschel. he looked good in the fight. Um, it was funny though, because at one stage in the fight, Carson was trying to actually stand up, and Herschel Walker actually slammed him, which was really cool to see. Um, Carson even went for a key lock at one point, but herschel walker 's arm you know he, Herschel Walker managed to escape, and uh, needless to say it was it was one, two, three, and Herschel Walker sealed the deal. Um, shortly after that fight, there are now rumors that Herschel Walker is contemplating making a return to the NFL. So take that for what it's worth. But um, needless to say, Herschel Walker is not a bad thing for the sport. Like I said, it's not like he's taking it as a, as, as a joke. He's actually going in there, putting in work. He's doing uh, great training camps um, with AKA, and he's improving. Will he be fighting for a title? Who knows. But in terms of just entertainment value and just doing great things for the sport of MMA, Herschel Walker is a stand-up guy. And again, I definitely can eat crow admitting the fact that Herschel Walker has, has improved and he's actually very fun to watch. In the middleweight championship bout, you had Jacare, Ronaldo, Jacare Souza. Um, he was defending his middleweight belt against Robbie Lawler. Definitely a, uh, a great fight. Lawler definitely came out strong in the first round, but Sousa, Sousa definitely in the second came in. Uh, he was, I think, there was just a feeling out process. Uh, Jacare went for a couple of submissions in the second round. He actually ended up catching Robbie Lawler in the armbar. It was, it was ridiculous. It, you know, just to see Robbie Lawler get caught like that. And the loss doesn't hurt Lawler only because you know he fought a guy who's ridiculous on the ground. Um, Just a fantastic fight I was very impressed Robbie Lawler, like I said, I I really enjoy watching him fight You can always expect fireworks when he's in there He's always going headhunting to take people out And, um, you know, it also showed a diversified offense from Robbie Lawler in this fight So we definitely haven't seen the last of him uh, competing for a middleweight championship opportunity And like I said, I was very impressed Even more so than I have been with Jacare and of course the main event the welterweight match between Nick Diaz and Cyborg Santos was um pretty much what you expected Nick Diaz used his striking uh to keep Cyborg away because you know Cyborg definitely was was going in there to take him out um he caught Diaz a couple of times a lot of people thinking that that Diaz was in trouble um in round 2 though it was it was a whole other ball game with uh, Diaz coming in Putting in some work, um, especially just because he, he did not like Nick Diaz, did not like the strikes that Cyborg was throwing at him. Uh, a lot of sweet combos from Diaz in that fight. Uh, Cyborg attempted a tight clinch, at which point, um, and, and manages to get a knee. Uh, but Diaz gets out of the way, and Cyborg goes to take Nick Diaz down, which uh, you really shouldn't have done, at which point, Diaz, of course, secured the arm bar and the victory. Definitely a, a short night of fights from Strike Force, but definitely a quality night of fights. I was very impressed. Um, the next event for Strike Force is going to be the Heavyweight Grand Prix, and that's going to start February 12th. Um, that's going to be here in Jersey. And also, there will actually be a live uh, workout at, uh, at the um, Roseland Ballroom Tuesday, the 8th. So, all the participants from the Grand Prix are going to be there, Fedor, Alistair Overeem, Arlovsky, Karitanov. Um I'm going to see if I can swing through and establish a little my Take Radio presence. We'll see how uh, the week pans out. And I'll see if I can get some coverage of the event and uh, take some photos and some stuff for the site and for the Tumblr blog as well. So keep an eye out for that. But overall, great night of fights from Strike Strikeforce. Uh, moving into the MMA news, uh, first off, HDNet. Uh, announced recently that they will be having the preliminary fights for the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix on February 12th. Um, the main event for that part of the Grand Prix is going to be Fedor uh, versus Bigfoot Silva on Showtime. The event is set to air at 9 o'clock, and the prelims, like I said, will be on HDNet. In some other Strike Force news, uh, Strike Force started to already set up their card for March 5th, the main event being Fei Zhao versus Dan Henderson for the light heavyweight belt. Also on that card, Marluz Coenen and Misha Tate are going to meet for the women's welterweight title. Uh, announced earlier today was Tim Kennedy versus Melvin Manoff, which is going to be ridiculous. Uh, Melvin Manoff is a beast, and, you know, he got caught out there in his last fight, but don't sleep. He will break a dude in half. Um, also rounding out the main card is going to be Billy Evangelista versus Jorge Masvidal. On the preliminary cards, everybody's saying that you're going to be seeing Luke Rockhold on that card. He was originally supposed to be fighting uh, Melvin Manoff, from what I've been hearing. Um, I think my, I think I got that shit wrong. Uh, so you know what? Scratch that. Luke Rockhold is going to be fighting on the prelims, as is uh, George Grigel and Roger Bowling. Their, their opponents have not been announced as of yet, but they will be on that card. Moving on, the UFC, in some UFC news, they started to uh, finalize their UFC event on Versus. UFC on Versus 3 is going to be taking place March 3rd. Of course, you're getting to see that two days before the Strike Force event. Coincidence? I think not. And um, needless to say, if you're in Louisville, Kentucky, you can check that out. The main event on that card is Martin Campman and Diego Sanchez. Uh, You've got CB Dalloway and Mark Munoz, Rafael Natal and Alessio Sakara. Brian Bowles and Damasio Page is going to be a fantastic fight to round that out for sure. Um, on the prelims, you got Siru Diabati on that card, Joe Stevenson's on that card, Cub Swanson, Takeya Mitsugaki, um, Dave Branch, and Rusamar Palharis are also going to be some of the fighters on the prelims, so keep an eye out for that on Versus March 3rd. Um, a week, last week I had discussed Kimbo Slice uh, going into pro wrestling, Well, no sooner did I announce that that Kimbo Slice has pulled out of his pro wrestling debut due to an injury suffered in practice. Uh, Kimbo Slice was set to debut February 5th in Fukuoka, Japan, but guess not. And, of course, UFC 126 is this weekend with uh, Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort for the middleweight title. You've got Forrest Griffin and Rich Franklin on there, Jake Ellenberger and Carlos Eduardo Roca. Ryan Bader and John Jones, and Antonio Vanuelos versus Miguel Torres on the main card for the pay-per-view. On the prelims, you got Paul Kelly and Donald Cerrone and Chad Mendes and Michihiro Omigawa on Spike TV. And it was announced earlier today that on Facebook, you'll be able to catch a streaming fight with uh, Kid Yamamoto and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. That's going to be for free on Facebook at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Definitely a great fight. A lot of people felt that the Kid Yamamoto uh, Mighty Mouse fight should have been televised. I was one of them, and now I will get the opportunity to see that fight on Facebook. Also on the prelims that are non-televised, Gabe Rudiger is going to be fighting Paul Taylor. Kyle Kingsbury is going to be fighting Ricardo Romero, and Mike Pierce is going to be fighting Kenny Robertson. So definitely a great night of fights this Saturday. Um, I actually did some fight picks for this, this card on MMA Gospel last night, so definitely if you get a chance... Head over to blogtalkradio.com, MMA Gospel, and check out the last episode as I was part of a fight panel discussing the UFC 126 card. MMA Gospel broadcasts every Wednesday at 8.30. Uh, this Wednesday they actually had to come on a little later due to Gary's uh, scheduling issues, but nonetheless we managed to bang out a complete breakdown of the card from prelims all the way to the main card, so check that out for sure. I got to do some local news. Um, very sad to hear that uh, Andrew Cuomo has decided to not uh, take steps to legalize mixed martial arts in the 2011 2012 budget. Um, definitely very bummed out to not see that happening, considering that he has gone on record as saying that he will need to do uh, cuts in schools, Medicaid, Medicare, various city services to help close the budget deficit. And um, the UFC went on record as saying that their events, at least two events, would generate $23 million in revenue for the state. It boggles my mind to no end that the state of New York would not take this free money. I don't understand. You get two events, and it's $23 million. We are in a budget crisis. You're contemplating cutting schools, your uh, benefits for schools, uh, state benefits, layoffs, you have an opportunity to bring $23 million with two events and also have jobs for the state of New York, yet nothing. Not only that, but we're only talking about $23 million in revenue from the UFC. What about organizations like Strikeforce, Bellator, um, you know, other smaller promotions that can bring in revenue for New York State? All of these people get left out in the cold, yet the government continues to sit on their high horse and bitch about budget cuts when they have the opportunity to bring in at least $20 million in revenue for the state, and that's only with two UFC events. That's not even counting other promotions, like I said, like Strike Force and Bellator. It's really fucking stupid, and it sucks. And, you know, I'm not even saying it just as a fan, but I'm also saying it as just a, a constituent and somebody that pays taxes, and the fact that, you know, we have to get hit in our pockets because the the government doesn't want to take action in getting something that generates them money is fucking stupid. But it is what it is, folks. What can you do? Last bit of uh, MMA news to close things out. Uh, UFC 130 is coming together. That's going to be May 28th at MGM Grand. And needless to say really kick-ass night of fights right there as well. you got the rematch with Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard for the lightweight title. you got Rampage fighting Tiago Silva. Vanderlei Silva makes his return to the octagon against Brian Stan. I'm excited for that fight. Uh, the Axe Murderer is a, fa- is a huge favorite of mine, and uh, he's going to go in there and put-, put a beating on somebody. Frank Mir and Roy Nelson is on that card, as is Tiago Alves and Rick Story. One of the first fights announced for the prelims is going to be Travis Brown versus Stefan Skyscraper Struve. With that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we are going to talk some wrestling right after this.
0: What wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news.
1: I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So Jason, uh, what, what I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there?
0: Yes sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at out here, Andre! It's Hustle radio. Everyone has a price, Red!
1: All right, let's talk some wrestling, folks. First off, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view that happened this past Sunday. Um, A couple of things happened. I'm just going to recap a few of them very quickly. First off, the Edge versus Dolph Ziggler world title match. Anybody who thought Dolph Ziggler was winning that belt was high off their ass because it was not happening. Edge, of course, ended up retaining uh, definitely with a – uh, a shout-out to, to Christian with winning with the kill switch. Uh, the spear also got used, so Edge did retain the belt. Very great match, definitely a, a good performance from Dolph Ziggler. Um, I'm seeing shades of Mr. Perfect every time I see Dolph Ziggler wrestle. I don't know if it's his mannerisms or the way he just he's portraying his character. Definitely a bit of an old-school throwback vibe which I really enjoy seeing not too many guys have that real old school heel mentality, just a little bit of Rick Martel with a little Mr. Perfect in there. And not only that, you got Vicky Guerrero, who is just smoldering heat because people hate her so much. Um, definitely helps Dolph Ziggler get over with the fans um, as a villain. So uh, uh, coming out party for Dolph Ziggler in this match, I was really impressed and Really great chemistry with Edge, and of course, the Vicky Guerrero factor helps that along. The WWE title match with The Miz and Alex Riley against Randy Orton, uh, pretty much what you'd expect. The Miz did not lose. On the contrary, there was interference from CM Punk. Uh, He ended up catching Orton with with the GTS, at which point The Miz ended up covering. One, two, three, boom. Needless to say that... This changes things for a few reasons. Number one, CM Punk involving himself in this match, of course, sets up a feud with Randy Orton, which, to some extent, I think is a little foolish because there wasn't really any closure to the whole Cena situation. It was almost like Cena got in there and he he had a TV match with Punk, and then it just kind of got swept under the rug. I expected that to be dragged out a little bit more. I guess they feel that... CM Punk and Orton would be a better feud, I don't really know, I mean not for nothing, CM Punk clou- can clown Randy Orton on a mic with only speaking five words just because Randy Orton's fucking methodical promos are definitely not his his strong suit, especially in a feud with a guy who's as good of a talker as CM Punk uh, The Miz, I continue to say the same thing, as many detractors and as me- and as much hate as he gets I definitely think that Him losing on a consistent basis is just watering down his title reign. I understand he's supposed to be the conniving heel, and he's supposed to be the bad guy, and he's supposed to cheat to win, but I don't think that, you know, just clowning him out every week is doing him any favors, especially in terms of keeping him secure for a main event slot in the future after he loses the belt. You're going to have this guy getting his ass whooped by everybody from from Jerry Lawler. Why not just have Mae Young come out there and whoop his ass at this point? Because the way they're they're booking the miz regardless of whether you love him or hate him is just piss poor. So, definitely frustrating to see that unfold. The other title match was Natalia, Michelle McCool, Layla and Eve in a four-way Divas title match. Um, surprisingly enough, Eve actually ended up getting the belt. I was shocked only because I thought Natalia was going to retain. Um, I think that this just adds a little bit more um, to the Lay Cool feud with Natalia and now you throw Eve in the mix as well. Uh, the Lay Cool angle to me, I feel, has run its course. I do not like it. Uh, I feel it's just, I don't know, I think it's a little too over the top, especially because the, the these two chicks. Michelle McCool is definitely the better wrestler, and that's one of the reasons why, especially because Layla's wrestling is, is really piss poor. Eve winning the belt. Her wrestling is decent. I think that Eve needs a lot of improvement. And why bother putting the belt on her especially at this stage in the game so close to WrestleMania? Are you going to hot shot the belt to somebody else is Eve going to only be champion for a month or two? Like I honestly felt that you can actually leave the belt on Natalia, have her feud a little bit more with Lay Cool and possibly just do a a big women's title match with Natalia and Beth Phoenix, because that's really one of the better matches on paper that's been a, that's worthy of being at least on a WrestleMania card. I just felt that putting it on Eve at this point in the game was a, was a shitty move. With that, let's move into the Royal Rumble. I'm not even going to go into who got called, who who came out first, who came out second. Um, you know, I will say that Gabriel and CM Punk got the ball rolling. Uh, I mean. uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Justin Gabriel came in number three. Uh, definitely a lot of a lot of madness going on considering you had forty wrestlers in there, uh, you know, in the event total. A couple of things, of course. Uh that we saw the return of the great Kali. Um, wasn't expecting that only because I know that he was doing uh, a show in India and I didn't think that he was finished with that project, but he came back. Um, also one of the first of the of two major entrants in the Royal Rumble was Booker T. Uh, Booker T. Of course uh, signed with WWE. His future you will find out on SmackDown tomorrow. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to try not to just because it's actually really cool to see what he's going to do. Um, people went crazy when Booker T. Came out. I really I like Booker T. I felt that his tenure in TNA was just not what it what it could have been. The guy came out of WWE, you know, he was doing the King Booker gimmick, he was solid in that gimmick, he had really great mannerisms, really great mic work, and his wrestling was good, and to see him come back, it was, it was one of the few times that the nostalgia got the better of me, and I was actually kind of happy to see him in there, it wasn't like he was going to win the Rumble, but um, definitely fun to see him in there for sure, also, uh, number thirty two entrant another surprise Kevin Nash in his diesel persona he came in there and he was putting in some work. Uh, Kevin Nash being involved he's actually gone on record, which i'll read later on in in the in the broadcast about why he did what he did, how he he wants to finish out his career in the w w e and you know I admire that. I just feel that him being a main event caliber wrestler at this stage in the game is just gonna be foolish um, as a mouthpiece. As an enforcer in a limited role, he'll do great. But as somebody who's on TV every week cutting promos, eh, not so much. Honestly, if you want to do something crazy, I would actually make Kevin Nash John Morrison's enforcer. I know that some people are going to raise an eyebrow to that, but you know it. You know they feel everybody talks about John Morrison being the next HBK. Why not do something like that? you know, where Kevin Nash approaches him and says, hey, kid, you know, I see potential in you. You could be one of the greats. Uh, Definitely, if you hang out with me, you'll get far. And you can set up a really good program with him being the enforcer and Morrison still wanting to be a face, but when he's not around, Diesel doing, you know, heelish things to help him succeed, and you can do a little throwaway match. I honestly think that that would be beneficial for him. The only other thing I'd like to see Kevin Nash do is color commentary. And honestly, I'd like to see him paired with Booker T and maybe um, a Matt Stryker or a Michael Cole on a three-man announce team because those guys doing color commentary, if you haven't seen them do it in TNA, definitely look it up. Uh, Booker T and Kevin Nash on color commentary is fucking gold. And you're doing yourself a severe disservice by not checking it out. And of course, the final... Superstars left in the in the Royal Rumble were Alberto Del Rio, Randy Orton, uh, Wade Barrett, of course. Everybody expected Orton to win. There was actually a part of me that thought that Wade Barrett was going to win. Out of nowhere, Santino came out and he was not eliminated. Uh, he of course hit the Cobra on Alberto Del Rio, thinking that he wins, which I was shocked because I said to myself, "Holy shit." Um, Santino's going to WrestleMania, where, where did this come from? But it was not to be as Alberto Del Rio proceeded to toss Santino's ass over the top rope. So it is Alberto Del Rio heading to WrestleMania uh, to main event. So definitely a shocker. Uh, the, the web, of course, was a flutter with negative feedback. Oh, you know, Alberto Del Rio getting the opportunities, bullshit. Why didn't he get a, you know, why didn't they go with anybody else? And I thought about it. And people complain when the same guys win matches every fucking week. It happens day in and day out. Oh, you know, I'm tired of John Cena always winning. I'm tired of Randy Orton always winning. I'm tired of Triple H winning. It's like, all right, how do you expect to establish new stars if you don't go the route you're going to go? Sure, Alberto Del Rio isn't somebody who you would have expected, but you know what? Can I tell you, I was surprised. For once, I watched the Royal Rumble, and I was like, holy shit that was a shocker. I would never have thought... I mean, yeah, I knew Alberto Del Rio was getting pushed, but I didn't think he'd get pushed to the point where he'd be headlining a WrestleMania shortly after his debut. His his rise has been meteoric, to say the least. And I respect that, only because I know that it's going to bring us a fresh feud, something new to the equation. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, sometimes... We as fans get way too fucking picky about certain things that are beyond our control. Yeah, you don't want John Cena in the main event. Okay, fine. You don't want the Miz in there. Fine. But you know what? What do you who, who are you going to elevate? Yeah, you can elevate John Morrison, which is happening. Sheamus has already been elevated. You know, you got to elevate Del Rio, you got to elevate Daniel Bryan. I I definitely feel that Del Rio's not established to the point where he should be headlining, but quite honestly, who else do they got? Who else do they got? I mean, it's terrible to say, but what other dominant heel that's new do you have? What are you going to do? Make it Wade Barrett? Wade Barrett's probably going to end up wrestling The Undertaker unless something else happens, which I'm going to discuss when I go into the Raw segment. Overall, I think that you know Wade Barrett is Wade Barrett's a guy that yeah he'll definitely be a main eventer in the future, but you know definitely something to keep an eye on. I think del Rio has a long way to go in terms of getting over as a heel persona. I think that part of his his heel heat uh, to use a you know a smart term is just based off the fact that that people just want to hate his character because of the way he carries himself but. In terms of wrestling ability, I mean, his cross-arm breaker, when he does it on certain wrestlers, looks really smooth. Uh, his mic work, I don't know if he intentionally does the accent. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, being Hispanic myself, the accent does tend to slip out on occasion, and it's fine. But I just feel that sometimes it feels a little forced, a little extra. It's just, I mean, his own personal announcer helps, especially interfering in matches and things of that nature, um, Again, Del Rio being involved is a breath of fresh air. It's not what I expected, but given the fact that they have a vacuum in regards to heels, you know, you got guys like Tyson Kidd that you can push. um, You know, they're pushing the core, which I guess they're heels for all intents and purposes. I mean, those guys can be pushed, but you're not going to get championship caliber guys, uh, matches out of those guys yet. I mean, the fact of the matter is that There's better shit out there. Del Rio's just the guy to get the ball rolling. That's all. Moving on. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw, of course, opens up with Alberto Del Rio having his little uh, Mexican celebration, his little Mexi fiesta out there. Of course, The Miz comes out to try and swerve Del Rio into picking him for his championship match at WrestleMania. Of course, this brings out Edge. Edge who continues to dispute the fact that Del Rio is a douchebag and that the Miz sucks, which of course leads Del Rio to announce that he is challenging the Miz for his belt. I mean, uh the Miz, uh, he is challenging Edge at WrestleMania. So not the not the worst match ever and who's to say Edge will have the belt by then, but um definitely a uh, it was a no-brainer. I, I really knew that Del Rio was going to go with Edge just because there's already a bit of a feud there. Um, Del Rio put Christian on the shelf. So there's an established storyline there. So anything less um, would be totally totally expected at this point. So why not just go with the safe bet? Also on on uh, Raw's uh, second match, well, well, scratch that, Raw's first match was Santino and Vladimir Kozlov against Michael McGillicuddy and Husky Harris. Um, I actually expected McGillicuddy and Harris to win the tag team titles just because I think that the Morella and Kozlov tag team has ran their course. It was not to be the case. Um, Of course, Santino ended up winning with the Cobra to Husky Harris, which leads to Randy Orton coming out, catching both guys with an RKO. In one of the most drawn-out segments of the night, you had... um, Husky Harris left in the ring. Randy Orton gets the crazy eyes, decides to punt Husky Harris, uh, CM Punk comes out with the nexus. He recommends that Randy Orton does not do that. And, uh, the consequences will be bad, blah, blah, blah. Randy Orton thinks about it, then proceeds to kick Husky Harris's ass right into Weight Watchers. And, um, of course the, the repercussions of that will be, will be drawn out next week. Uh, Three problems I had with this segment. Number one, Husky Harris laying there like a sack of shit for 15 minutes while Randy Orton debated kicking him in the fucking head was stupid. CM Punk coming out and imploring Randy Orton to not kick him in the head when he, when you fucking know he's going to do it looks stupid. And number three, just I felt that the selling of Husky Harris was really was really shitty. He took the kick well, but just the selling, it was just, it left a lot to be desired. Of course, this injury angle is being done, a lot of people are saying, because Husky Harris needs to improve in the ring. Some people are saying that it's because he's too fucking fat. And you know what? I honestly feel that's it. If you are wrestling and you have a gut over over your tights, where you basically look like a bag of flour with legs, it's not working. It, it was, um, it definitely wasn't something uh, that I that I wasn't expecting because I've seen, especially on Twitter, a lot of people are like, "Hey, you know, uh, why, doesn't, why doesn't Husky Harris just keep a shirt on?" And you know, a lot of negative uh, commentary towards his 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 physique. And you know what? You're, you're on TV each week. You got to make sure you get smaller, not bigger. I've noticed this, especially with guys like Wade Barrett, uh, Justin Gabriel, David Otunga, these guys, they came in as the nexus. You can tell they were still a little rough around the edges, but then as the weeks progressed, there was a, a metamorphosis of sorts. If you look at Wade Barrett now, Wade Barrett's a little bit more cut. Uh, he actually tans now, so he doesn't look like fucking Casper when he's out there. Um, you know, Justin Gabriel, he has like 17 different hairstyles. He fucking has a beard. He doesn't have a beard. In, but again, in terms of looking physically ready, like WWE superstars that are on TV every week, you did you gradually did see the evolution of all of these guys, with the exception of Husky Harris. Husky Harris, for some reason, looked skinnier on NXT, and then looked like a complete bag of shit uh, on Raw. I don't know what happened, I don't know if it was too much time at the catering table, I, I have no idea, but it's not taking anything away from his ability because he's a, he's a pretty good wrestler. I just feel that the look he has going on right now is definitely not the move. Um, next match was Tyson Kidd and Daniel Bryan. I would almost call it a squash, which sucks, just because Tyson Kidd has a ton of potential and a feud with Daniel Bryan is not bad. But it just felt like this was just a setup for the Bellas to continue to feud with Gail Kim and Daniel Bryan to some degree. And... It it was just a stupid thing to do, especially with two guys that are so talented. Tyson Kidd is no slouch. His mic works, suspect, but not too bad. And Daniel Bryan, as long as you put him in there with with good competitors, he's always going to have a good match. Um, The champion versus champion match with Edge and The Miz, given the fact that you got no entrances and you only got the big match intro, you knew it was going to be pretty lackluster and it was going to end with some sort of shenanigans. Edge, of course, ended up beating The Miz. Once again, The Miz ended up eating another pinfall, just continuing to erase any credibility he may have, um, which was really not the move for sure. I, I, again, you could have ended it with a run-in. You could have ended it with a DQ. I definitely was not a fan of the way that went down for sure. Um, and I've just been told that Carry is here, and I'm going to bring him on because I know he is under some time constraints. Hey Carrie, welcome to the show. What's going on?
0: I'm under time constraints. It's Past my bedtime. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. Yourself?
0: I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay.
1: Um, just wanted to thanks say for thanks having... for stopping in. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. Where are you guys located?
1: We are actually right here in the Big Apple in New York.
0: Oh, so you're freezing your butt off like I am.
1: So. Yes, sir. One hundred and ten percent.
0: Okay, so uh, we're we're all frozen. But uh, let's go.
1: All right. Um, First off, and and I'm glad, I'm glad, I I was concerned that you weren't going to stop through. And the first thing I wanted to ask you, and it's it's the one thing that's been bugging me the most, I know that you guys are no longer going to be with HDNet. Um, Very bummed about that. Uh, First off, you know, you guys with an hour of TV provided some of the best wrestling I've seen versus two- and three-hour episodes of Raw, SmackDown, and and tna so i want to commend you for that off the top thank you but well, that um, was why very... why the switch
0: uh it's just a, it was just a business decision by hd net not you know i have nothing but nice things to say about them they provided us with two years of phenomenal footage uh they were great partners to get our feet wet in the tv world and um I'm very grateful for our involvement with them, and we're actually not done with them. They're talking about a live special uh, sometime in the summer, so hopefully that will happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still very grateful for you know, them supporting us and putting us on TV. So now it's our job to uh, take it to the next level and get, it, get, our, get a weekly show on another station with uh, hopefully some more exposure and uh, keep Ring of Honor on television, and uh, we're working on that.
1: Have you guys um, met with any potential suitors? I'm sure you're you're not going to be able to tell us who, but have any have any you, networks approached you? To... <laughs> I can't tell you, but uh, we're uh, we're uh, we're moving. Good. I'm 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 glad to hear one one thing. I you know, and, and I've mentioned this especially on the air and in articles that I've written. You guys uh, put out a lot of great quality matches with with not too much deep deep super convoluted storylines is that is that something that you felt was was needed just to keep you guys apart from everybody else and set you guys apart or is that well, that's something always, that you just enjoy no, well that's
0: always been the ethic in Ring of Honor is to provide you know the best possible pro wrestling you know not to bore the pants off the people with long drawn out ridiculous storylines we you know the people that run Ring of Honor and have been behind the scenes at Ring of Honor, and the talent over the years, all had that in mind. And uh, we're not trying to be another WWE or TNA. We're trying to be, you know, the best athletic, hard-hitting wrestling. And uh, I think we've been successful at that. And uh, that's, you know, it's it, it's just, you know, we that's what we do.
1: Yeah, your, your signing of, of Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas definitely reinforced that, especially because of, of the way those guys have been wrestling since coming to Ring of Honor. It's definitely a lot more, um, more of a strong style of wrestling versus the sports entertainment style, and it just makes these guys look better in the eyes of the fans and erases some of the, uh, the missteps that they had in, in other organizations.
0: Those guys were so happy uh, in the two matches they've had, uh, two, three, I forget, well, the two matches they had with Chris Hero and Claudio, um, though they were also on our TV. Uh, the second one was Saturday night in uh, L.A. And uh, these guys were just so happy that they were able to go out and wrestle, not, not be restricted to a very short match, and just, you know, be able to really wrestle. And man, when those guys can wrestle, they can go. And, uh, they beat, they beat, uh, Hero and uh, the Kings of Wrestling Claudio in a non-title yep. match, uh, on Saturday. This was so off the charts, this match. Uh, it was just so damn good. And, uh, you know, to hear feedback from veterans like them who were just so happy to be able to, uh, you know, perform their art in an uncumbered way is very nice.
1: Well, the best part of that, and one of the things I enjoyed was the fact that there was no, there were no angles, there was no hype. It was the fact that, you know, you had the world's greatest tag team and the Kings of Wrestling saying that both of them were equally as good and both teams had issue with the other team saying that they were better. So, you know, it was it was simple to the point, and, it, and it's been quality through and through.
0: You know, and... uh they will be with us again when we come to Dayton, Ohio, uh, on February 25th. You know, and that's going to be killer because it's, it's, uh, the world's greatest tag team, uh, teaming up with Davy Richards in a six man against the Kings oh, and Robert nice. Strong.
1: So that's, oh, that's going to be a great match.
0: That's going to be great. And the very next night, uh, the ninth anniversary, the anniversary show. show. They're gonna be, uh, wrestling against the All Night Express in Chicago. And, uh, we have them booked on some other dates coming up. So, we're really happy to have them, uh, with us. And, you know, that's not, you know, and, and we have a, a fantastic tag team division, you know, between the American Wolves and the All Night Express, Claudio and Hero, uh, the Briscoes, uh, this is, you know, pound for pound, the best tag teams around. And, uh, it's very exciting. So it's going to be a hell of a year in Ring of Honor.
1: Oh, yeah. I was excited to hear that the Briscoes got re-signed, and I'm hoping uh, to be able to check you guys out when you guys come over back to New York to the Manhattan Center March 19th. So yeah, um, I'm definitely to... stoked for that. We're going to have some uh, very big
0: announcements for that show coming up in the next few weeks.
1: Oh, nice. You guys definitely have an open door if you guys want to want to stop through and promote that. Okay, cool. And... um one one thing I did want to ask you though, in, in terms of uh, you, you know the the Kevin Steen and El Generico angle, uh, one of the one of the best angles I've seen, especially because it was consistent and dragged out for such a long period of time. Um, when you guys when, when they closed out that match and you guys pretty much got the payoff for that match, were you were you sad to see it end? Especially because it's been such great TV and such great uh, pay-per-view quality matches from these guys, especially just elevating that feud to the next level.
0: Yeah, sure, you know, the, it, it was, it was done, it was, you know, uh, some well-known publication voted at few of the year, uh, it was, it was done right. I mean, the, this is, you know, old school, uh, wrestling, if you want to use the term storyline, you know, where things are not rushed, uh, where things, you know, take time to, uh, simmer and to, you know, come to a head, you know, not where the, not where you know, you don't know who the champions are week to week, uh, which has been going on for a number of years. You know, you got to understand, I come from, you know, I personally come from an era, as well as Jim Cornette, uh <clears throat> who's, you know, great to have with us. We come from an era where, you know, the championship, you know, we're talking about before Jim Carnett was in the business, before I was in the business, as fans, as kids, where the title really meant something and it was important. And, uh, as the years have gone on, you know, there's just, I mean, I was watching another company on TV tonight, and they basically do the same matches <laughs> they're gonna do on the pay-per-view, you know, they have very good wrestlers, uh, very good, but they give you the, they give you, you know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, um but we come from an era where a champion, a champion met something, and, uh, I mean, going way, way, way back, because I was was a New York guy, and, you know, I used to go to the Garden, you know. Bruno held the belt for eight years. Pedro Morales held the belt for three years. Bruno got the belt back. He held the belt a number of years again. Bob Backlund held the belt for five years. Hogan, you know, and uh, that was then, and things are different now. But we like things to mean something. So getting back to Steen and Generico, This was perfectly done. This was, made it really exciting. I mean, it started at Final Battle a year ago. They didn't touch each other for like, for about six months. And when they finally, uh, had that blow off, uh, it meant something. Um, I remember when, uh, Kurt Angle and, uh, who the hell was it? It was, uh, Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, right?
1: That's right. That was a huge building. And,
0: uh, I said to, uh, a very knowledgeable man in wrestling, Jesus, they did like three, they did like three matches so fast. And, uh, he said to me, Carrie, you remember Ali and Frazier? It took them four years, four years to do three matches. They did three matches in five weeks. Yep. So, you know, we, we try to, we try to make things mean something. And, uh, it, it, and then you know it it it, it, it pays off when you you have some patience.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's one of, that's one of the things I enjoyed watching that angle unfold. And um, the other the other thing I've been meaning to ask you, I noticed, and you know I've read a lot of things about you guys allowing some of your competitors to try out at other organizations and, you know, allowing them to, an opportunity to grow as performers. You know, some guys, they keep the doors kind of closed and don't let these guys uh, hone their skills elsewhere. I know that, you know, there's some stuff going on with Christopher Daniels. I don't know how how legit that is. But, you know, I really like seeing that just because it's giving these guys other opportunities to expand their craft. Is that something you guys have embraced recently now that you've been involved versus when Gabe or – uh, or you know Feinstein were involved, or is that something that you felt helped grow the company just being so open? Well, that's a special case,
0: so uh, it just worked out that way. So, it's um, it's uh, you know it just was we were just able to do that uh, with in that case. And uh, for the most part, you know we uh, we try to keep guys that are under contract, you know, working for us. And uh, if the if the if the if it allows the right you know, opportunity to uh go somewhere else temporarily and it's not hurting anyone, and it's not often we're able to do it. But in that case it was. So uh it's okay.
1: Yeah, I was I was sad to see Tyler Blacko and you guys um
0: Me too. You guys gave
1: him a Yeah, you guys gave him a phenomenal match with with Davy Richards and you know, it just it just showed the, the the class act that the organization is. You know, there wasn't any burying, there wasn't any any screw jobs. It was just clean, uh, great wrestling. Uh, Cornette did a fantastic job bringing that match together, and you know, I really I really enjoyed it, especially giving him a, you know a proper send off. Yeah, he's a great guy uh, and, a,
0: and a tremendous talent. Um, we only wish the best for him. I would have loved to have been able to have another year with uh, Tyler, but. That's the way it is. You know, guys come, guys go, other guys come back. You know, at the same time Tyler uh, left, here comes one of the Ring of Honor originals back, Homicide, which we had no clue yep. about. So that's just the nature of, you know, what goes on. Of course, we would love to still have CM Punk and Brian Danielson and so on and so forth. But in the meantime, with uh, Roderick Strong as world champion, with challenge, you know, with the challenge, challengers like Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, and this tag team division that we've spoken that we've spoken about, we have uh, a tremendous crew here now. So it's, uh, I'm I'm really pleased, you know, because when guys leave, it gives other guys a chance to step up and to uh, elevate themselves, and that's what you're seeing.
1: Well, you know, you're you, you guys also are starting to build up your your women's division, especially around Daisy Hayes and Sarah Del Rey. Um, are you guys gonna start adding uh, more female talent, especially going forward, or is that something where you where it's a step by step process? There's not that gonna... many
0: around. know <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a but yeah yeah we're looking at some other girls but you know Sarah I know I wouldn't want to mess with her and uh, oh, Daisy no Hayes is, Daisy Hayes is great and. Uh, you know, it was nice, you know, having some special attractions recently, Serena Deeb and, you know, Awesome Kong. And uh, the women, you know, women's wrestling in Ring of Honor is serious. It's not, you know, a, a uh,
1: you know. A, Fashion show. It's not fluff. You know the deal. Right, right. So, yes, sir. Um, I, I know it
0: 100%. And, uh, you know, so there's not a lot of women that could mix it up in the Ring of Honor ring, but there are some.
1: You know, one, the one thing I do enjoy is the, is almost the, the grassroots approach you guys have to um, getting your product out there, especially with the Ring of Honor store and all the, uh, the great DVDs you guys offer. I mean, I have a, a Best of CM Punk, and I got a couple of uh, DVDs from you guys. Are you guys going to be at any point making the jump to doing, you know, HD stuff and getting Blu-ray and things like that out there? I don't know. I don't know.
0: There's very small steps. You know, we, we, do, we do things that make sense. And uh, although it would be really cool to have a Blu-ray Ring of Honor disc, you know, it's, uh, the expense of doing that doesn't really fit in. You know, we're just, uh, you know, I, I've been pleased with the uh, the little uh, um, steps we've taken with the uh, pay per views with Go Fight Live. Um, we're very, you know, that's been a, a new form for us, and uh, over the last year, we've seen steady growth with each one we've done, and the one on February 26th in Chicago, the ninth anniversary show, will be our, let's see, I'm not good at remembering these things, one, two, three, four, I believe it's our fifth one, and the first one was... Uh, the hell was the first one might have been final battle a year ago then we did charlotte and then we did toronto and then we did new well fifth or sixth but each time we've done it uh the numbers have gone up significantly you know it's a new form of media people have to get used to you know uh you know being comfortable buying it and watching it on their computers some people have their computers hooked up to the tv i don't yep. but uh you know it's uh <laughs> It, you, you know, the, the but the good news is, no matter anywhere you are in the world, for fourteen bucks, you get to see Ring of Honor, uh, you know, live. And the final battle was on live, and you know, the ninth anniversary show on February 26th. So if you're not in Chicago, uh, and where we're, whether you're in New York or London or uh, Timbuktu, you could see Ring of Honor that night live. At oh yeah, for fourteen bucks, it's great. Right, so seven thirty Central Time. So hopefully oh, okay, you'll be watching. Central.
1: Oh right. yeah, I, I try to catch the eye pay per views only because, like I said, it's it's a little it's a little more friendly on the pocket, especially because you guys have a, a good amount of build-up leading to each pay per view. It's not you know three weeks and boom a pay per view and here's sixty bucks. Right. And uh, you right. know you, you guys you guys are definitely fan friendly for that.
0: Yeah, and this, this, this will definitely be a good one with Roderick Strong against Homicide. Uh, you know, Homicide going for the belt that he, that he had and he wants back. Kings of Wrestling against All Night Express. And, uh, not to mention the Briscoes, uh, the Briscoes against Shelton
1: Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Yeah, that's going to be a fantastic match too, especially because it's it's you know it's built off respect and being one of the who's the best tag team in Ring of Honor and you know especially after their their matches with the Kings of Wrestling getting in there with the Briscoes, there's definitely going to be a lot more uh, a lot more punches being thrown and less technical wrestling. So I'm definitely looking forward to that.
0: If I could plug one other match because it's going to be very interesting, Colt Cabana against Davey Richards. So that should be good. Oh
1: wow, I didn't know about that. That's
0: yeah, I I didn't.
1: that's a good match.
0: Yeah, so anyway, if, uh, if anyone's got an Internet connection, which they obviously do because they're listening to us now, uh, February 26th, Go Fight Live. We'll be in Dayton on uh, the 25th, Friday night. Uh, and uh, after that, we'll be in Plymouth, Massachusetts, March 18th, and back in good old New York City on the 19th. It's a 4 o'clock show on the Saturday uh, right. And so ROH at the Manhattan Center. And uh if you want to go down to WrestleMania or uh you don't want to go to WrestleMania, we'll be down there, as usual, April 1st and 2nd. And the, that's going to be interesting because we're going to be at the old center stage where WCW used to tape their shows. And there's not oh, that many tickets. Be cool. That'll be cool. And there's not that many tickets left. So if you want to go down there, uh go to uh, ROHWrestling.com. And uh, there are a few seats left. We're going to have a fan, uh, I think, on the Saturday, which is a matinee show. We're going to have a—I don't want to call it a convention, but we're going to have a little uh, Ring of Honor gathering where the fans can meet all the talent. I don't know if it's nice. announced yet, so that'll be before the show. But uh, I right. appreciate—I appreciate your time. Uh, any last question?
1: Yes, uh, but but before I let you go, I definitely would would love to to see the show at the Manhattan Center the 19th and hopefully cover it on the site. And if you want to stop by prior to that and come on to promote it, you're, you're more than welcome. The door is open. And if we can come through and take some photos and cover it for the site and the show, uh, we would love the opportunity. Well, just get in touch with Mike G., and uh, we'll make it happen. Thanks a lot, Carrie. I appreciate right, it. Man. You have a great night, and uh, stay you. warm. Take, take care. Bye-bye. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, that was Carrie Silken, president of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Uh, if you want any further information about some of the cards that Carrie talked about, you can head over to ROHWrestling.com. Um, like he said, Dayton, Ohio, world's greatest, February 25th. Uh, February 26th, you got that ninth anniversary show. You can get that at Go Fight Live. It's an pay per view It runs 14 bucks. If you haven't seen Ring of Honor and you want to see some kick-ass wrestling, uh, no bullshit. Um, they got great talent. Spend the 14 bucks. You won't be. You won't be angry that you did for sure. Plymouth, Math Like Plymouth, Massachusetts. Like he said, March 18th, and of course March 19th, they make the return to the Manhattan Center for the Ring of Honor special, starting at 4 p.m. And of course WrestleMania weekend, April 1st, there'll be an ATL. So definitely a uh, many great thanks for. Coming into carry, and we will definitely be in touch. And it's not the last you have heard of Ring of Honor on My Take Radio. So head over to rohwrestling.com to get further info. All right, let's go into the rest of this wrestling. Tough Enough, of course, thought dead and buried, is coming back. USA Network and WWE have confirmed that Tough Enough will be making a return Monday, April 4th at 11 immediately following Monday Night Raw, and then it will be moving to its regularly scheduled primetime slot Mondays at 8, starting April 11th, and it's going to be hosted by WWE Hall of Famer, the Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, Of course, it's going to be interesting to see, just because he's going to be hosting it, and you're going to see the opportunity for new WWE superstars to be born, and they will be led by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I personally want to see it just because after the the clusterfuck that NXT has been and just the complete the complete bullshit that that it's been churning out as of late. I would like to see something different. Tough Enough, we we've gotten a lot of good wrestlers out of Tough Enough. Uh John Morrison, uh Matt Capitelli, who of course ended up uh getting cancer. Um those two guys Shit, there was one other guy I was leaving out. Maven, of course, even though he got, he got cut. I've, I've actually wondered what he's doing. But, um, yeah, Daniel Pewter, even though he, he, you know, he doesn't wrestle anymore, uh, was, was a, was a shoe in from Tough Enough. There's been a couple guys, man. They were, they were really good, and they've come a long way, some of them. Like John Morrison, the guy, he was John Hennigan on, on Tough Enough when he started. You know, fresh-faced kid that could do a standing moonsault. And now look he's the, uh, the 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 Friday night delight when he was on Smackdown and numerous other monikers so i I actually am intrigued to see it it's a it's a bit of a of a circus atmosphere but hey nothing wrong with that you got it at eight o'clock leading right into raw it's not going to be total shit and who knows maybe it might actually be a lot better than the internet sensation known as wWE NXt in some signing news a lot of Uh, Mexican magazines and uh, Mexican press are reporting that Super Luchas, uh, well, according to Super Luchas magazine, uh, CML superstar, Mystico has signed with WWE. Uh, he had a trial with them last year and they were impressed. It's been one of those guys that they've had their eye on for a while. Mystico is, of course, is a, uh, uh, a big star for CMLL and looks to be transitioning to WWE. 99.999% 99.999% certain that Mystico comes in and fuse with Rey Mysterio. You heard it here first. And some other talent acquisitions. TNA has signed uh, Northeast Independent uh, talent, Tia uh, Trinidad, or uh, uh, Thea Trinidad, I should say, who works as Davina Fly. She is now wrestling for TNA Wrestling. I believe she debuted. Or is debuting on next week's Impact? I did not watch Impact this week. It is DVR'd, so I'm not sure. But uh, definitely definitely a girl to keep an eye out for sure. Also, TNA is saying that there will be a renewed push for the X Division, uh, starting with the Destination X pay-per-view, which is going to be completely X Division-based. I'll believe it when I see it, given the fact that you know TNA says they're going to promote the X Division all the fucking time, and they don't. So with that said, they are trying to bring in more talent to pump up the division, including El Generico and TJ Perkins. Uh, TNA has reportedly liked both of their performances. El Generico, of course, wrestled against Amazing Red. Um, I kicked myself in the ass at least ten times for not asking Red about it, but we were just having such a great conversation, just vibing and and hanging out, that it, it totally slipped my mind, but I guarantee you when Red comes back, to discuss his ICW match against Loki before March 4th, um, I will definitely have a couple of things to ask him about that. So we'll, I'll be watching you, TNA. You want to bring back the X Division, you know, let's see guys like Red and some of these other guys putting on great matches and not the typical bullshit that we've been seeing the last few weeks. Uh, Dixie Carter, of course, answered a couple of questions on Twitter this, uh, earlier today, and needless to say, they were not the hard-hitting questions that many fans have. Like, why do you continue to sign old guys? Who is writing your shit? Do you guys throw angles on a a, a dartboard and try and figure them out? Like, nobody asked those questions. They were all softball questions, which, of course, probably went through at least five filters to ensure that uh, it was nothing offensive or, you know, anything that would uh, put her on the fence. So, I don't know. I mean, TNA has a wealth of talent. Carrie mentioned, you know, watching some programming today, which I'm sure I know exactly what it was, and seeing that you're getting so many pay-per-view, quote unquote, caliber matches, and not allowing the stories to simmer. And I have to agree. I have to agree. It's just the fact that you get these guys and, and you know, I've talked about this with Josh and, and some of the MTR staff. You need to keep your heels Strong in terms of, of allowing them to hold the titles. I like what, what Carrie said, Bruno San Martino holding the belt for eight years. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these guys should be champions for years and years, but there should be title reigns going into the six month, eight month type of shit. Um, it, it's just not cool. Um, Miss just brought to my attention that Loki will not be wrestling for ICW uh, just because of a situation that happened. Uh ugh. Definitely uh, uh, a shitty uh, shitty thing to hear, but, hey, man, things like this happen. Nonetheless, I'm sure when Red comes back, we will be discussing it. In some other WWE news, Awesome Kong was backstage at the Royal Rumble, but she is going to be debuting soon. I actually thought she was going to debut at the Rumble, either in the Rumble itself or in the Divas title match, but she will be popping up soon, I guarantee you. In the signing news with Booker T and Kevin Nash back on the roster, Booker T has signed a long-term deal. Um, he's either going to go into, into managing or coaching. What Booker T is really going to do, you can find out tomorrow on SmackDown. I am not going to spoil it because, like I said, it's actually one of the cooler things. Kevin Nash has signed a short-term deal, but he has also signed a Legends contract. So you will be seeing Kevin Nash pop up in action figure form and some video games so he, he's going to do all right, and I think, like I said, it's a fitting end to his career. Even if he does, like I said, managerial or even some, some commentary or an enforcer role in a limited capacity, not to say he doesn't have one or two good matches in him, but if he's put in there with guys that, that don't make him look good, he's just going to come off as, as, as just lumbering around the ring, punching and kicking and, and you know, choking a guy out with his, with his size 24 boot in the corner for 20 minutes. And nobody wants to see that shit. I know I don't. In some news regarding everybody's favorite People's Champion, The Rock, uh, The Rock was answering questions on Facebook recently, and he has gone on record saying that he will never be back in a WWE ring um, unless it's, you know, for special projects or for things of that nature. But as a performer and a competitor, he will not be wrestling any further. He said that his last match was the Rock and Sock Connection versus Evolution from WrestleMania 20, and he likes it that way. He said he will still make appearances for WWE if it makes sense. You know, I respect what he, what The Rock is doing. I think that, you know, he's found success in Hollywood, and he's doing his thing. And, and to come back to, to wrestle in, you know, in one or two throwaway matches, I see him not wanting to tarnish his legacy. I think that the Attitude Era you know, went out the way it went out, and The Rock went out on a high note. So for him to come back and, and, you know, do, um, uh, you know, one throwaway match with Cena, I mean, he can probably guest host a Raw, he can probably do uh, an enforcer role or something, something cool like that, but active wrestling at this stage in the game, especially with the talent that's in there, I don't think there's anybody right now that can hang with The Rock verbally to make it work. I don't think, you know, they don't have... A guy that can sit there and exchange verbal jabs with The Rock for 20 minutes and and make it make it work. I, I just don't think so. I mean, a lot of people say that The Rock and Cena would would be a great match. Not 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 in the PG WWE era. I don't see it working personally. I think that had it still been the Attitude Era, definitely. But not now. Not not for the PG stage of things. And that's for sure. So you know what. The matches he gave us were great matches. The memories he gave us were great, so fuck it. You know, you want to make movies, more power to you. According to PW Insider, which I also mentioned to Carrie, uh, Christopher Daniels has been working with TNA under the suicide persona. So Daniels is working in TNA as suicide. Um, Of course, Daniels had previously been suicide when Frankie Kazarian got injured, um, but they are going to... Be long-term plans for Suicide to be around with Daniels under the mask. Um, there's also rumors that he may reprise his other persona, Curry Man, down the line. Of course, this is all to help the X Division, and I have no issue with that. I mean, I like Christopher Daniels; he's a fantastic performer in Ring of Honor. And you know what? The Suicide gimmick—it's not—it's not, it's not that—it's not fucking terrible. I mean, there's always going to be a masked wrestler, and Suicide is going to be cool. I, I just think that when he was mysterious and didn't really talk and just came out when the lights went out and attacked people, it just worked more. Uh, over the course of, of suicide's tenure in TNA, it felt like it was like an unstoppable dude, and then all of a sudden he just they just dropped the ball and started writing him like shit. Um... I definitely think the Suicide character is great for the X-Division. It adds, it adds a different dynamic, and you know what? If they bring some more Japanese uh, X-Division superstars in there, I think that Curry Man would be a shoo-in to come back as well. So no harm in that, and for one, something that I have no problem with TNA doing. As I said earlier, Kevin Nash has been very busy on Twitter discussing his recent re-signing with the WWE. Uh, he said some of the following, and I'll just read them to you guys. Um, first off, he said, "My wife and I had a long discussion, and I told her about how important it was for me to end my career where it began." I think it took her two seconds to agree. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Vanilla Sky. Don't know if Boston was real or a lucid dream. When they chanted Diesel, it sure was. It sure as hell felt real to me, which is true. I think that the reaction he got was fantastic, and it was it was nice. Like I said, it was a real throwback. Just. In limited doses. That's all. Just don't put that shit on TV every week. And of course, you know, the 221 angle that was announced on Raw, uh, they did a little vignette with uh, 22111. Somebody's coming. It looked like somebody had a trench coat, black boots on. Many people are speculating that the, it's going to be the return of The Undertaker, but they wouldn't, honestly, wasting video on that at this stage in the game. Nobody gives a shit. The Undertaker's died, quote unquote, and come back 25,000 times. It's not the end-all, be-all, but the big rumor that's been churned out is Sting possibly debuting for WWE, and who knows, maybe fighting The Undertaker at WrestleMania given that WrestleMania is in Atlanta, Sting may be scheduled to go into the Hall of Fame, the announcement may happen the 21st, and he may have a little feud with The Undertaker. Fitting way to go out. Um, I definitely think that seeing Sting in a WWE ring again, um, an uh, an aura of of surprise is, is, is in order for that, but Again, we'll see how it pans out come the 21st. All right, back to the Nash tweets. Um, he said, uh, when WCW took over WWE for the short time, it did, we did. It's because Ted Turner paid huge money for talent. You, and this was directed at Dixie Carter. He said, you want to put TNA on the map, Miss Carter? Set aside $50 million. Start with Cena and work backwards. Don't walk into a Mercedes showroom and ask what new AMG s 63 I can buy for 25.'" thousand dollars you know i understand where he's coming from i think that definitely investing money and talent is key but i also feel that investing excess amount of money in guys who who are past their prime is also key so i kind of disagree with what he's um recommending dixie carter to do but again you know he's in wwe no longer with tna and we'll see if tna can dig themselves out of the uh, proverbial pit so to speak last but not least Some what-the-fuck wrestling news, and you guys are going to love this. Justin Bieber's reps are in negotiations with the WWE to have him perform at WrestleMania 27. Am I right? Yeah, 27 on April 3rd. Bieber's management has been in negotiations with WWE for the last several months, and the deal could be reached soon. How's that for PG Wrestling, folks? Justin Bieber is singing at WrestleMania. Fuck, I don't even know how to describe the awfulness in that statement. Justin Bieber, WrestleMania, live performance. Yeah. As, as I see the chat room just erupt in a, in a sea of ha's and face palms, yes, Justin Bieber will be singing at WrestleMania. The only selling point that will make me give a shit will be that after he sings, Randy Orton comes out and gives him the RKO. That would be amusing, and it would actually give Randy Orton some relevance. With that said, I am going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk video games, and we're going to talk movies because there's a lot of shit going on, and damn, I didn't finish recapping Raw, but I can tell you that they did a little mini Royal Rumble, and Jerry Lawler ended up winning it, so the elimination pay-per-view will be headlined by Jerry Lawler versus The Miz for the belt. Absorb that, folks. We'll be back right after You know those shows where they play video game music, and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like, (laughs) well, you won't listen to that on our show, because, uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And, uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So, um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality, and, uh, void of fake laughter. Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. All right, let's talk some video games, folks. First off, if you're going to be picking up Pokemon Black and White, um, or Pokemon Amos and Andy, here's some news you guys will enjoy. For those of you that are Uh, PC users, you'll be able to get some new enhanced PC functionality with the new Pokemon game. Once you pick it up, the game will be able to connect with Pokemon Global Link's website coming out after the game's release. The site will let gamers keep track of online battle stats, and it'll also give rankings and possibly let you fight in worldwide tournaments. In addition to that, you're going to get mini-games and the ability of transferring Pokemon and items earned back to their cartridges. One of the games revealed so far will let players get items for their Pokemon's dreams. Slick just uh, corrected me and told me that it will not be available at launch. Uh, big bag of shit that is. Nonetheless, you will get PC features with Pokemon. So thank you, Slick, for that. Uh, Slick also informed me that in Japan it crashed. Uh, of course it did, because I can imagine millions of Japanese people wanted to get Uh, Nike sneakers for their Pikachus, probably bootleg ones, but hey, who am I to judge, right? Alright, Killzone, of course, Killzone 3 is the next uh, entrant in the Killzone franchise, and of course everybody's like splooching in their fucking shorts for it, but guess what? That's not the only shooter you're going to be able to choose from. SOCOM 4 is right around the corner as well. Sony and Zipper Interactive have revealed a release date for SOCOM 4, and that is going to be April nineteenth. In addition to that, if you pre order at Rape Stop, you'll be able to get an abandoned map pack, which was featured in the first two SOCOM games. So definitely keep an eye out for that for the SOCOM fans. And if you go to Rape Stop and pre order, you get a brand you get the abandoned map from the first two games. So definitely
0: uh uh
1: a little break for those of you that are trying to look at another FPS besides Killzone. Definitely pick up SOCOM. I haven't played a SOCOM game in years, but I always enjoyed them. There was a, a a great amount of realism in them, and who knows, maybe it may make me venture into the first-person shooter realm of PS3 with SOCOM 4. We'll see what happens come April 19th. In some other PlayStation news, according to Kotaku, cloud storage will be coming to the PlayStation 3. I actually mentioned this on the My Take Radio fan page, and of course uh, we got some of our nice gemmed responses from the MTR fans, but according to this, the cloud system, which will let players save their games to a server instead of their hard drive, may be a part of the 3.6 firmware update. Of course the cloud service is coming, but with a catch. Um, first of all, it's only going to be available to PlayStation Plus members, Also, game developers will have the ability to opt out of letting their games use the service because cloud will allow safe data with copy-prohibited attributes to be copied into the online storage. Still, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, um, I'm definitely going to want to check that out for sure. I've actually been on the fence about PlayStation Plus just because of adding another bill, but the the cloud storage seems interesting for sure, and I want to check that out, even if it's for, for a little bit. In some Sega news, Sega Rally Online Arcade will be debuting on Xbox Live Arcade and the PSN Network. The game, which is inspired by Sega Rally Rebo and Sega Rally 3, will feature 13 rally cars, championship battle, and time attack modes, as well as uh, leaderboards. So definitely keep an eye out for that coming real soon. Um, I haven't played a Sega arcade, um, a Sega Rally game in ages. I remember they used to have it in a machine in an arcade I used to go to in Flushing, here in New York City, and uh, always a fun game, the Sega Rally games, and and seeing them on the PSN or Xbox Live Arcade network is going to be interesting, especially because there aren't that many uh, network racing titles, so it should be interesting to see that as well. For those of you that are fans of Tropico, you'll be able to play Tropico 4 on Xbox 360 and the PC, which will be releasing later this year. Uh, Tropico 4 will allow players to use new political powers to get elected and have new policies passed. The PC version will also have Facebook and Twitter integration to let your friends know when you beat missions or get achievements. Other features that are being added are six new disasters, including volcanoes, droughts, and tornadoes, as well as a council of ministers to help you make decisions. So for those of you that are fans of the Tropical franchise, you'll be able to play Tropical 4 uh, towards... Uh, the middle part of this year, or maybe towards the holidays, so keep an eye out for that. In some Arkham City news, um, Rocksteady developer Sefton Hill said that Arkham City will be huge, which is a no-brainer because it's a city, (laughs) but nonetheless, the footprint of Arkham City is about five times bigger than Arkham Island, Hill said. Players will be able to go anywhere at any time, but we have made sure that the players will always have a very clear idea of where they are needed most and if they want to just stick to the core narrative path of the game. So with that, you'll be able to have almost a sandbox-like environment, much like GTA. Arkham City can't come soon enough. I really enjoyed Arkham Asylum, and it's going to be interesting uh, engaging in a, a, a larger, in, in a larger environment with, some of Batman's villains, and also, I've been hearing rumors of multiplayer functionality, so that's definitely some incentive for sure. So I am watching these Arkham City news with much interest. I got some news that are coming as a shock to no one. Shigeru Miyamoto has announced that he is working on a Mario game for the 3DS. While talking, Aniwata asks, Miyamoto had no reservations about discussing the game. He goes, so in the interest of adopting new technology for the Super Mario Bros. tradition, I am now making a new Super Mario Bros. game for the Nintendo 3DS system. I want to show everyone as soon as possible what the new Super Mario Bros. will be like on the Nintendo 3DS. Of course, the last handheld Mario game was new Super Mario Bros. Honestly, I either see it being a Mario Galaxy port, which would be a no-brainer with the 3D technology, or maybe a brand new Mario game. Who knows? But I actually think Mario Galaxy, in some shape, way, or form, would look really good on the 3DS, especially with uh, with the way they got it set up in Mario Galaxy as it is. the The 3D environment is is a no brainer. So I will be watching that also with much interest. Um, a bit of news that comes as a blast from the past is Parasite Eve. Um, those of you that are Parasite Eve fans and have a PSP, you'll be able to play a, game, a Parasite Eve game called The Third Birthday, which will be coming to the PSP. Square Enix announced via press release that North American gamers can expect the game on March 29th, and you can pick it up for $30. But here's the kicker, and this is one of the things that I love Sony for. Note the sarcasm in that statement, folks. It's going to be 30 bucks, but will only be available on UMD. Which means those of you that own the p s p go paperweight will not be able to play it. How fucked up is that? a game that many people will want to play, but it'll only be on u m d and not on the p s p go uh, you know it's it, it's it's uh it, it disgusts me to no end how how they can just Oh, yeah, you know, we're going to release this game that people are going to want to play, but um, not on a format that we make people want to buy a handheld for. No, just pick it up on the fucking UMD, or the Useless Media Disc, as I like to call it. Fucking Sony, man. They they, they never cease to amaze me. Boo! Thanks for your input, Homer. I appreciate that. Moving on. Triton recently announced that they are partnering with Microsoft – to be uh, a secondary headset manufacturer for the Xbox 360. It was announced that Microsoft and MadCats have teamed up to make licensed wired and wireless headsets for the 360. So the first licensed headsets complete with Triton and Xbox 360 logos will be available this holiday season. You know, I never got the allure of wearing headsets while gaming. Um, I mean, other than for communication purposes on Xbox Live, I really... I, I'm not a headset gamer. I actually would love to, to hear from the listeners regarding that, because I know uh, I know a couple of people like to play with the headset. They feel that it's just more immersive. Me, personally, uh, I like the shit to be loud, uh, and um, that's immersive for me. Just loud-ass gunfire and loud-ass shit getting blown up. That's, that's my version of immersive. Yeah, at 3 a.m., maybe not, and I can see the usefulness in, in headsets then, but I don't know. It just, I honestly, it doesn't bug me. I wanted to tell some people, you know, I wanted to share it with you guys because maybe some of you guys uh, use headsets primarily. But fuck, if it doesn't do shit for me. THQ has announced plans to ship Saints Row 3 this fall. The news was confirmed yesterday during the publisher's earnings call. Um, they stated the following: In the fall, we plan to launch the latest installment of our Saints Row franchise, which, vi- which we view as a significant growth driver in the fiscal 2012. Um, Volition is setting a new bar for this outstanding franchise, and we look forward to unveiling this game in the near future. Also, they took the opportunity to announce Saints Row Drive by, that was originally announced for the Nintendo 3DS, will be coming to Xbox Live, and will feature unlockable, unlockable, excuse me, for Saints Row. Three. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. For those of you that are fans of the Castle Crashers franchise, you're going to be able to get a brand-new Knight, but also do something for charity. Uh, you'll be able to know that the new Knight will be coming with a lollipop weapon, and that Knight is the Pink Knight, and it'll be coming to the PlayStation Network next Tuesday for $1.99. $1 the Pink Knight pack, which includes four new weapons as well as the Knight, we'll see all proceeds donated to charities devoted to breast cancer research. The Xbox 360 version will also be getting the Pink Knight. When? I don't know. But it's good, it's good to know that, you know, the 360 is also going to be sharing in that map pack, um, in that add-on for Castle Crashers. So if you want to do something charitable, it's $1.99, especially if you already play Castle Crashers. Throw that, 99, that buck ninety-nine out there and uh, it, uh, donate it to breast cancer research. So... I don't play Castle Crashers, but I may have to toss that 199 in there. Those of you that play Dungeon Siege, Square Enix announced some Dungeon Siege 3 news today. North American gamers can expect to get the opportunity to play this game May 31st. If you pre-order the game and you pre-order it from Rape Stop, you'll be able to get the Burning Band of Scorch Ring that adds fire damage and the Talisman of the Grand Mage Necklace that reduces damage and gives special attacks. If you're getting it from Walmart, you'll get a mini Dark Horse comic and mini Prima strategy guide. Best Buy buyers are going to be able to get the Sacred Heart of Legion, uh, which is an amulet that increases health. And Amazon buyers are going to get the Bite of Aracoon Ring, which adds poison to an attack. For those of you that are still picking up games on Steam, Steam buyers can get a free single-player version of the first two games in the series. Square Enix didn't announce if the games would be able to be bought separately or at a later date. And lastly, to close out the gaming news for this week, Harmonix, since separating from MTV Games, has uh, been a catalyst in MTV Games being shut down. It was announced that MTV Games closed its doors today, and only currently a handful of financial staff remain in the New York office to collect or reconcile any outstanding receivables. So, death knell for MTV Games, uh, Square Enix getting a lot of shit out there, and that's pretty much it for the gaming news this week. Um, I'm going to take another commercial break, and when we get back, we are going to talk some movies and TV news because there is a ton of shit right after this. Let's talk some movies First off They finally have figured out Who the hell is going to play Abraham Lincoln In Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunters Film adaptation uh, The lead who will be playing Abe Lincoln Will be Benjamin Walker Walker beat out Adrian Brody Josh Lucas James Darcy And Oliver Jackson Cohen for the role Walker Was uh, The only time you're going to Get to know him Is playing Beast In X-Men First Class But Walker's done Extensive theater work and um, he was also in Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, Timor beckman Bedoff will be directing Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter with Tim Burton Producing, and you'll be able to catch that June 22nd, 2012. Um, I recommend you guys definitely check out Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, definitely uh, definitely a, a really interesting read that uh, I can recommend 110%. Josh, who writes for our site that read it recently and said that it was a phenomenal book and Josh is rarely ever wrong when it comes to shit like that. So, definitely check out Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter if you get get an opportunity. Alright, our first bit of What the Fuck movie news this week. Of course, you guys know of The Walking Dead and the fact that, you know, it's the highest rated uh, zombie-related TV show out there. Well, Guess what? We're going to get some more zombies. More zombies, but not in the way you think. This new TV series that is on the verge of being picked up is called Awakening, and it will be on the CW network. Of course, when I mention CW, you can think of one of two things, The Vampire Diaries and Gossip Girl. Uh, Well, are you guys ready for the premise of this? Because... I'm sure you guys are going to love it. Uh, The series Awakening will feature a zombie apocalypse as the backdrop for two fighting sisters. Right now, CW has bought the script for the series and may order up a pilot. So let me get this straight. You're going to get CW programming, probably for tweens, with uh, the zombie apocalypse as the backdrop. So you're going to get beautiful people fighting about bullshit with the potential for zombies to eat them. If you're expecting any sort of ferocity and bloodshed on the level of The Walking Dead, you are going to be fucking mistaken. Because it's the CW. I bet you all the zombies will have ample makeup. And probably will have Prada shoes and, you know, fucking Fendi glasses. Right? And when they get shot right between the eyes, you know, the it'll be fucking sponsored by... Pro- proactive. This bullet was sponsored by Proactive. Like, that's the kind of shit you can expect to see with a CW zombie series. Seriously. Like, why would you do that? Uh, not, not to totally shit on the CW. You know, a lot of people like the Vampire Diaries. Even Smallville at a time was worth watching, but really you're going to do a, a, a TV series where the zombie apocalypse is your backdrop? fucking sucks well we'll see how it pans out won't we folks in some Batman movie news of course wouldn't be a movie segment without some Batman movie news of course Batman and Catwoman have officially been announced and there are, are rumors of Hugo Strange being in the film but here's the funny thing Hugo Strange being in the film with Robin Williams playing him how about that I tell you guys right off the bat, consider this a rumor, a rumor, not not anywhere near concrete, but a rumor about Robin Williams possibly playing Hugo Strange. It's not 100% legit, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Tom Hardy, of course, is playing Bane, and they, uh, Anne Hathaway is playing Catwoman. And, well, she's playing Selina Kyle, which... When I tell you guys the next piece of news later on in the segment, we'll confirm that she will also be playing Catwoman. You know, I see I see Slick in there uh, throwing a very long no towards Robin Williams, but you know when he um, when he did that one, what the hell movie was it? Shit. Uh,
0: I, I think I gotta
1: whip up the IMDb because I saw this one particular movie where he played a complete creep. Um I don't know. I mean he's he's playing a doctor. I'm not I'm not expecting loads of comedy from him. Um shit, what the hell was the movie? Fuck. Oh, Insomnia. There you go. Uh, his work in Insomnia definitely if he plays a character like that, possibly. I can see it work. But I don't know. I I, I, I see a lot of you guys definitely are against the the premise but you know what nobody thought Heath Ledger could play the joker and uh yes O'Malley it, insomnia w- no one, not one hour photo insomnia with um what the hell with al Pacino definitely check that out he was really good in that one hour photo he was a bit of a creep in too but you know i can't sit here and say oh it's fucking bullshit because I may be surprised. I mean, like I said, Heath Ledger. Who the fuck would have thought that he would have been the most memorable Joker um, after Jack Nicholson's portrayal? But he he did a great job. He did. Liam Neeson as Ghoul was solid. I can't I can't dispute this. But given Robin Williams' body of work and the amount of fucking diarrhea that he's tossed on the screen, like old dogs. What a load of shit. You look at old dogs, licensed to wed, just just garbage, just complete garbage. Then, yeah, of course, you're going to say to yourself, ah, oh, he's going to fucking suck. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to reserve judgment on this because, you know, Christopher Nolan, he's, he's done good with his casting. I mean, the Anne Hathaway thing, I, I'm still a little sketchy on. Tom Hardy's involvement, Um, I'm hearing rumors of Joseph Gordon-Levitt being involved somehow. I don't know. I mean, Hugo Strange, Robin Williams, not bad. I mean, you know, I I would probably raise more of an eyebrow if you said Anthony Hopkins was playing him. Then maybe, yeah. But Robin Williams and Hugo Strange? mm, We'll see what happens. In the Superman casting front, of course, I said that Henry Cavill was cast as Clark Kent, Superman and Zack Snyder's Superman reboot. Of course, Warner Brothers dropped out that press release, confirming it. Uh, Cavill was recently in A Cold Light of Day. He's also going to be in the movie Immortals. He is also in The Tudors. He was also, if I remember correctly, in The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which was a fantastic movie with Jim Caviezel. I believe he was in that as well. But here's the funny thing. Uh, Henry Cavill was not the only actor being considered at the time for Superman. Um, others that were in line for it were white-collar's Matthew Bomer, which I'm glad because he would have been great for that role, Joe Manganiello, but he had scheduling issues that wouldn't have allowed him to do it, uh, Army Hammer from Social Network, uh, Colin Donahue from the right, and Matthew Goode, who was uh, the number one competitor who was in Watchmen. Uh, who was with uh, Zack Snyder. So those were the competitors, but Henry Cavill ended up winning out, and he will be your man of steel. Now, again, Matthew Bomer I have no problems with. I had no problems with Brandon Ralph doing it, but why, You know, I definitely think Matthew Bomer would have been good. He was young, uh, probably could have got him for cheaper. Not to say that Henry Cavill w- is not going to be a good Superman. I just feel that he just doesn't look it. You know, like Brandon Ralph. You look at Brandon Ralph. You're like, wow, he reminds me of Christopher Reeve's Superman. So, you know, things like that are definitely going to raise a few eyebrows. Once again, Zack Snyder's involved. Uh, the Nolans are involved. Who who knows? But when I see a costume picture or a teaser trailer, then I'll, I'll really put it out there. But for now, it is what it is. But I'm really, I'm really happy to see that Matthew Bomer was considered. He would have been good. Um, Joe Manginello I was never comfortable with. I was shocked to see Army Hammer in there from, uh, from the social network. But, hey, man, they were looking all over the place. In some other Superman casting news, which I mentioned on the Facebook fan page, Kristen Stewart was being considered for the role of Lois Lane, a role which, of course, she kind of refused, which Zack Snyder didn't like. He felt that it was a waste of his fucking time. I can't blame him. But you know what? Kristen Stewart would have sucked monkey balls as Lois Lane. She is a fucking zombie. Help, Superman, save me. Superman, I'm falling. Bite my lip 27 times before I fall. Help. Help, Superman. Help. Ugh, it would have sucked. It would have sucked. Rachel McAdams honestly would have been a better choice. And here's the funny thing. Rachel McAdams actually was in consideration, as was Jessica Biel, to play Lois Lane. Also mentioned were Diana Hagron from Glee and Malin Ackerman from Watchmen. Anne Hathaway was also rumored for the role, but she dropped out of contention to take the role of Selena Kyle in The Dark Knight. So as of right now, you got your Superman, but no Lois Lane. Honestly, oh, I also found out today that they're also looking at Olivia Wilde to possibly play Lois Lane. Olivia Wilde is way too... She's way too much of a pretty chick. She doesn't scream... Hard-nosed reporter That's more Rachel McAdams Rachel McAdams fits the role Jessica Biel I just think is she, She'll she fucking out-tough Superman Just because she, she's, a, she's a tough-looking girl Not to say that it's a bad thing I just feel that Given what you're looking at In terms of the lead And how much time he's going to spend In the gym to look like Superman I think uh, Jessica Biel May not be the actress for that Nonetheless Hey Look at it this way. You're not getting Kristen Stewart. So be glad with that. As for Brandon Routh, he is working on a movie called Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. That's what Brandon Routh is doing. The movie Dylan Dog is about, uh, of course, Dylan Dog, a New Orleans detective whose specialty is paranormal cases. One particular case he has to deal with vampires, werewolves, zombies, and a guardian of hell due to a client's case. With the help of Marcus Adams, his undead assistant, he will have to preserve the, sake and the safety and sanctity of Earth. So that is what Brandon Routh is doing instead of playing Superman. Yeah, so that's what's up. In some news regarding Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, cinematographer Wally Pfister has hinted that Anne Hathaway will be suiting up as Catwoman, and he has seen some stuff. Uh, Anne Hathaway screen tested in the Catwoman outfit. He said the following, yeah, she's phenomenal. This is something she wanted, and she wanted to show Chris that I'm the one for the job. She did an incredible job and looked phenomenal in the wardrobe. It's going to be amazing with her. When asked to clarify further, he said, I'll get fired and I won't even get to shoot the picture. I can't really say, but I'll definitely want to be around next year. Vister also addressed the Robin Williams Dr. Strange rumors, and he, said, he actually uh, said that he hadn't heard anything. But he also said, look, they have to keep a lot of secrets from me anyway. I don't really know. They can turn around and surprise me, too. When I saw the list of girls that we are going to screen test before they cast Anne, I didn't know myself who was real and who wasn't until about two days before the test. So let's put it to bed right now. Anne Hathaway will be donning the Catwoman costume for the Batman movie. So there you have it, folks. Regarding the Robin Williams-Hugo Strange rumors... Definitely, wait and see. Let's talk some box office totals, shall we? I actually expected The Mechanic to be number one. I was disappointed to I was disappointed to not see it as such. But hey, what the fuck can I say? The Right actually ended up being number one. The Anthony Hopkins flick, fifteen million dollars, no strings attached. I don't even know why that's up there. Uh, came in the number two slot, thirty nine point seven million total, thirteen point seven million that weekend.
0: Uh, The Mechanic,
1: eleven and a half million, was number three. The Green Hornet was number four. King's Speech was number five. True Grit was number six. The Dilemma was number seven. Black Swan was eight. The Fighter was nine. And Yogi Bear, still hanging on for dear life, was number 10 with $92.5 million. All right. What the fuck movie news? Well, we had what the fuck TV news. Here's your what the fuck movie news. The Weinstein Company has announced that Scary Movie 5 has been given the green light. I'm not even joking. Scary Movie 5. The last installment of the film came out in 2006, and Anna Faris starred in the first four films. There's no confirmation that she'll be returning to the franchise, but it is no surprise that a sequel got the green light. The first four films cost a combined $157 million to make, and the franchise has made $818 million since it's been out. $818 million definitely something that you hey that's motivation enough but you know what I can't even dignify it with a response but I know who can let's bring him in shall we oh my god ah
0: ah, ah! ah! Oh,
1: that's better ah, ah! That's what that gets. Moving the fuck on. Stephen King's novel, The Stand, will be getting the film treatment. The novel, which was adapted into a miniseries by ABC, will be produced by Mosaic and Roy Lee. And uh, Well, no, which, w- which was produced, excuse me, by Mosaic, which will be produced by Mosaic and Roy Lee and released by CBS with the help of Warner. Um, the groundwork for the adaptation is being laid out now, but the rights have not been finalized. I actually read The Stand, and um, I saw the miniseries on ABC, which was great. The Stand is going to be a fantastic novel to see on the big screen, and I hope it translates well. I actually like Stephen King's work. Um, He has a couple of books that are real huge favorites of mine, Uh, number one being Eyes of the Dragon, Uh, the Gunslinger books I enjoy a little bit, but some of his earlier stuff is the stuff I enjoy. Um, Seeing The Stand get the film treatment, though, Not a bad thing. I mean, it's something different, yeah. I mean, you had the miniseries on ABC, but um, the best Stephen King miniseries I've seen on on, on television is It. And um, still traumatizes me to this day with that crazy-looking clown, but It was definitely the best uh, Stephen King TV series I've seen in recent memory. And um, seeing The Stand get the film treatment, I hope it gets a good treatment and it's done well because it's a book that... uh, That's fantastic, and for those of you that haven't read The Stand, um, it follows a band of survivors as they try to get over um, an evil man in uh, post-apocalyptic America, that man being Flag, who, of course, has been a villain in a lot of other Stephen King books. So, again, if you haven't read The Stand, I I recommend you check it out. In some Captain America movie news, uh, USA Today announced that they will be releasing some prequel comic books, Uh, first one being Captain America First Vengeance which will be released on Sunday. That's going to be the first issue of an eight-part digital comic book series, and it's going to be the prequel, serve as a prequel for Captain America First Avenger. USA Today said, naturally, the first issue features Steve Rogers, the hero created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, who's been a staple in the comic book world since 1941. Um, Van Linty first shows him as a frail boy growing up in the 20s. When he's declared unfit for military service, Rogers volunteers for a top-secret research project so he can become a real soldier. Yada yada yada. Nonetheless, the 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 book encompasses the much of first vengeance is going to deal with the origin story along with an action-packed mission to Nazi-occupied Europe. Oh, excuse me. Wow, occupied. What a what a piece of shit I am for reading that like that. Nazi-occupied Europe. But the writer is also introducing other characters fans will see in the movie, including the Red Skull and Cat sidekick Bucky Barnes. The first issue will be free on Sunday at CaptainAmerica.com. So there you go, folks. You get some prequel comics to set it up. Next. Here's something I would never thought I'd see. They're doing a, a, a prequel to Frankenstein. I'm not even kidding. The Dark Endeavor, The Apprenticeship of Victor Frankenstein is an upcoming sequel to Mary Shelley's original Frankenstein, and the rights have been purchased by Summit Entertainment. Here's the description of the book, of the movie. Victor and Conrad are the twin brothers Frankenstein. They're nearly inseparable. Growing up, their lives are filled with with imaginary adventures until the day their adventures become way too real. They stumble upon the dark library. The secret books of alchemy and ancient remedies are discovered. The Frankenstein's Frankenstein's father forbids them from entering the room ever again, but this only piques Victor's curiosity more. When Conrad falls gravely ill, Victor is not satisfied with the various doctors his parents have called to help. He is drawn back to the dark library where he uncovers an ancient formula for the elixir of life. Elizabeth, Henry, and Victor immediately set out to find assistance in a man who was once known for his work. Determining to stop this unthinkable outcome of losing his brother, Victor is on a quest for the three ingredients that will save Conrad's life. Really? a prequel. It sounds like fucking Lord of the Rings. You're going to do a prequel to to Frankenstein, of all things, something that's classic and timeless? Really, Hollywood, that's where you're going? You're going with with a prequel to Frankenstein? (sighs) That's all right. You guys will love this. For those of you that know the Alex Cross franchise, which, of course, Morgan Freeman has done with Kiss the Girls and Along Came a Spider, Morgan Freeman is being replaced as Alex Cross, obviously, probably because Morgan Freeman is old, but you will not believe who he's being replaced by. Morgan Freeman will be replaced by Tyler Perry in the, upcoming, in, in the new Alex Cross franchise. Distributors are currently working on a project with Lionsgate and have the edge due to Perry's close working relationship with them. This would only be the second acting performance for Tyler Perry that he did not direct, the first, of course, being his cameo in Star Trek. So, yeah. Tyler Perry is going to be playing Alex Cross. You know what I have to say to that, do you? Don't you? Boo! Yeah. Last time I checked, Medea wasn't going out there solving fucking murders. This isn't murder she wrote.
0: Uh,
1: but yeah, Tyler Perry is Alex Cross. Just, just absorb it in, folks. Just take it in this week. Take it in. I see uh, Chai Tizzle is joining us in, in the. In the, for, in the chat, and he was asking about the Ridley, Ridley Scott, the Ridley Scott alien prequel. It is not happening, Chai Tizzle. Um, it will actually be um, a new project called Prometheus. The alien prequel has kind of been put to the back burner. There will be some alien influences in Prometheus. So there you go, Chai Tizzle. That's for you. In some Uncharted movie news, David O. Russell said that he'd like to cast either Scarlett Johansson or Amy Adams as TV journalist Elena Fisher for the Uncharted film. When he talked to Empire Magazine, he said, I love Amy and I also love Scarlett Johansson. There's a lot of great actors. I, might, I think might suit. Hopefully we'll see how it works out with everybody who's being scooped to do the role. Well, who's being scoped, excuse me. Wow, my reading is off point today. He went on to add that he's cultivated Elena's character quite a bit and i think i've added a lot of dimension to her so that so that's all i'm going to say i love the women characters and the more robust they are the more robust they are the more robust the movie russell said he's excited for the project but also said i'd love mark Wahlberg to be in it i'd love robert de niro to be in it i love the idea of growing them into a cinematic family i think that it's a cool idea but i guess you'll have to wait and see well you'll have to wait until you see the script Personally, turning Uncharted into a family film fucking sucks. Sucks. No, no, no. You play the Uncharted games, folks. You guys know that it's it, it it's a movie in itself. Why are you gonna make it a family picture? Why? And then you're gonna have Robert De Niro fucking yeah, Mark, we're going to try and get this gold. And Mark Wahlberg trying to be Nathan Fillion, you know, doing Nathan Fillion's impression of fucking Drake. And yeah, we're going to go get this boat over here. Get the boat and get the car. That's what we're going to do. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Uncharted in fucking Boston. Why not just fucking film it in Boston? Why not just have Uncharted in Boston where they got to find a gold bottle of fucking Guinness? Why don't you just do that? Mark Wahlberg is not Nathan Drake. He's not. Ugh. No. No. I I, I don't give a shit how you try to spin it and how many names you throw into it. Mark Wahlberg is not Nathan Drake. Not. He's not. It's going to suck. I'm sorry. It's going to suck. There's there's no other way to do it. There's no other way to say it. It's going to suck. But you know what? You know what sucks more than that? This. The next Die Hard movie, which is possibly going to be called Die Hard 24-7, is going to involve another Gruber family member. You know the Gruber family, Hans Gruber, and then his brother who was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, no, but there'll be another Gruber. And it's not going to be anything crazy, but they're not going to go with a brother or a son, but they might go with a Gruber sister. Or a daughter. So let me get this straight. You take Hans Gruber in the first one. You fucking kill him. Boom, he's dead. Then you do the second Die Hard in the fucking airport. With John Amos. Bang that out. Then you do Die Hard with a Vengeance with Jeremy Irons. Oh, another Gruber. Kill him. Boom, dead. Then you do Die Hard with the Mac guy. which was Which was fun. It was a fun flick. And then you're just going to go back... To another fucking Gruber. Like, why didn't you just do that and fucking die hard with the Mac guy? What the hell? Oh, no, and and it's not going to be, you know, we're not going to do a son or, or a brother because, you know, that, that's, that's been done. But, you know, we'll do a daughter or a sister. What does it matter? You're digging up a, a fucking family member from a guy who's been dead like fucking... 10 or 15 years in the diehard universe. Are you kidding me? Why would you do that? Why not just make the villain Hans Gruber's dog? Why don't you do that? Hans Gruber's immigrant housekeeper, Consuelo, is the fucking villain, who's upset that her boss got murdered because he was trying to get her a green card. Why not just do that? Why do you continue? Why does Hollywood insult our intelligence by saying, oh, we don't want to do another brother, or we don't want to do a son, because that that that's, you know, the concept isn't as interesting. It would be ridiculous. That's what's said here. But, you know, a daughter or a sister, why? Because she has a vagina? Because she pees sitting down? That's why it's interesting? What kind of a d- dynamic are you going to have? Is John McClane going to sleep with her? Who gives a shit? Do something different. Something, you know, one thing that made... Uh, the last Die Hard movie interesting was the fact that you know they they really showed Bruce Willis's character showing his age and and trying to deal with solving a crime in, in you know in the 21st century. It was great. It was fine. I, I I embraced the fact that Bruce Willis's character was getting old. They acknowledged it. They made McClane you know cratchety cranky old guy and you know Matt guy. He had good chemistry with Bruce Willis, but. To, to, dig out, to, to dig out a fucking Magruber, that, that's what it is. And I, and I, and I, w- I wasn't even kidding, a Magruber, Why not just get that guy? Why not just get Magruber, who's Hans Gruber's sister's nephew's cousin's brother's sister's cousin's nephew? Why not just do that? Why not do something stupid and contrived like that? Because it would be far more interesting. <sighs> Fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck you. But you know what? It gets better. More what the fuck news for you guys because that's what we got for that ass this evening. According to the Heat Vision blog, Warner Brothers is going to reboot the Fletch franchise. That's right, the Fletch movies made popular by Chevy Chase. Don't don't take your ears away from the fucking from the from the speakers, folks. I'm not kidding. New Fletch, the Gregory McDonald novel series was first published in nineteen seventy-four. And the book spawned 11 sequels and served as a basis for the 1985 film starring Chevy Chase. Chase followed that with the 1989 film, Fletch Lives. The second book in the series, Fletch One, has been eye for a Hollywood adaptation since 2000. At one point, Kevin Smith was rumored to be involved with it, but since then, it's moved on. Needless to say, they're going to be doing a remake of Fletch. Why? The Fletch movies were great comedies growing up. I remember watching them, and they always used to play them on Channel 11 on Sundays at 5 o'clock. It was all good. It was gravy. I enjoyed them. A couple of laughs. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, no. Let's, let's just make this. But you know what? It gets better, folks. Here's one you guys are going to love. According to the LA Times, Stephen King's Pet Sematary will be getting the remake treatment. Screenwriter Matt Greenberg is set to turn in his script for a new version of the tale, according to a person briefed on the project. And executives at Studio Paramount have put out the word of at least two representatives in the community... Uh, excuse me. Two representatives in the aging community that are seeking a high-level director to tackle the material. The original Pet Cemetery came out in 1989. Pet Cemetery 2, which is a steaming pile of monkey shit, debuted in 1992. So you're taking a movie from 1989... And remaking it. Let me tell you something. The first Pet Cemetery was fantastic. The creepy-ass cat, the baby with the scalpel just cutting, killing Fred Gwine. You know, Herman Munster, you see him walking around, Gage, Gage, and Gage, just little Gage, little fucking toddler with a scalpel just cutting his Achilles tendon. That was fucking awesome. Why are you going to re- leave it alone? Leave it alone. It was great. It was great. Why? I can't. I can't even read the remainder of this segment just because there's so much other shit that's going to make you guys disgusted. But you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Um, A couple of episodes back, I discussed the return of Beavis and Butthead. Guess what? It's coming back. MTV will officially be returning to the... Ne- um, Beavis and Butthead will officially be returning to MTV this summer. The show, which ran from 1993 to 1997, aired 200 episodes. In addition to that, of course, you had Beavis and Butthead in video games and movies, including Beavis and Butthead to America. So, yeah, MTV is digging into their last vestiges of any good programming, you know, considering that the Jersey Shore and Skins eat up most of their fucking TV time, and bringing back Beavis and Butthead. All right. Now that we got most of Hollywood's diarrhea and colostomy out of the way, let me talk about something a little bit better. Samuel L. Jackson confirmed on the Jimmy Fallon show last night that he will be appearing as Nick Fury in Thor and Captain America. He also noted that in the Avengers, he will have a female sidekick who will be with him at all times, which is, is correct because she's been in the books and in the Avengers cartoon. According to Heat Vision, some of the women rumored to play the sidekick role are Marina, Marina Baccarin from V, Jessica Lucas, Kobe Smulders, or Mary Elizabeth Winstead are on the short list to play Nick Fury's female sidekick in The Avengers. Also <clears throat> excuse me. Also, they're still casting open for the role of Janet Van Dyne, aka Wasp. So, we got a female sidekick for Nick Fury and Wasp. So keep an eye out for that. Another piece of MTV2 or MTV garbage that's going to be coming out is the Teen Wolf series. You'll be able to enjoy that beautiful masterpiece Sunday. June 5th, and boy do I see it sucking a whole lot. Last but not least, we got some Dark Shadows casting news. Ava Green will be playing the female lead in the upcoming Dark Shadows big screen version. Um, Johnny Depp will be involved, of course, with Tim Burton. Green is going to play the role of Angelique, who is a powerful witch, and, of course, Depp Johnny Depp will be playing Barnabas Collins. And Jackie Earl Haley will portray Willie Loomis. And uh, Bella Heathcote will be Victoria Winters. So, we end the movie segment on a high note with those news. But, boy, was there a lot of shit. A lot of shit churned out. MTV shit. Hollywood shit. CW zombie apocalypse bromance romance shit. Ugh, it was just a... The, the bright spots of the show this week were definitely uh, Carrie Silkin's uh, interview and uh, the MMA and wrestling segments. And the gaming segment to an extent. Movie news, shock full of garbage. Shock full. Ugh. Hey, it happens. But you know what? Sadly, that's all the news for this week. Um, a couple of things before we sign off. Uh, first off, I um, posted a. Re- uh, a survey on the Facebook fan page, and um, a lot of you have responded in regards to what you like and what you don't like. Some of the numbers were surprising, to say the least. Um, one thing, you know, the removal of certain segments, um, it, it was actually overwhelming at first. Uh, the majority that did not want to have the MMA segment anymore, um, that has changed since then, it's pretty much split. Uh, with the with no MMA or no wrestling or keep it as it is. Um, again, if you have a moment, head over to the fan page and take the survey. I really would like to hear from you guys um, in regards to just the overall growth of the show. I am a little frustrated at a couple of things, and I'm going to take the opportunity and voice those opinions. Um, our forums and our Facebook fan page, we have... 660 fans, we're almost at 700 fans on our Facebook fan page, yet there are only, there are less than 40 members in the forums. I don't know why that is, I know some of you guys like the forums, some of you guys like being on Facebook all the time, that's great, but the engagement on the fan page is limited as well, which boggles my fucking mind, because I post different shit, I post wrestling stuff, MMA stuff, video game stuff, movie stuff, And out of, you know, 660 people, I get maybe 10 responses, not including MTR staff. So, again, this is just me voicing uh, a couple of gripes. And, and, you know, I, I really don't like to beat up the listeners, but it's like, what the fuck, man? You guys have multiple avenues to get show content, and you don't even fucking leave a comment. We write constant content, whether it's, Slick posting stuff from shows or games or movies, um, Andrea posting stuff for TV shows, and posting a ton of stuff about comic books, Bronx, myself. Maybe a comment here or there. Um, the survey said that you guys go to the site quite often, uh, maybe once a, you know, once a week at minimum. Fuck, you know, take a moment and, and let us know that you like what we wrote or you don't like what we wrote or you want to see something different. You know, I, I understand that the anonymity of the Internet and and the necessity to sometimes not share your opinion, but fuck, I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, what you want to see. You know, we're going to start adding more content to MTR TV and also to the Tumblr blog in the coming weeks. Uh, MTR TV, uh, probably when we go and visit Red's House of Glory Wrestling Academy, that will be an episode in and of itself. If we go to see Ring of Honor, there's going to be a ton of photos and there's going to be coverage for that. We've also started putting stuff together for Comic-Con in October. You know, we're, we're here doing this not just for ourselves, but for you guys, to give you guys great content. It is what it is, though. You know, this is a dead horse I beat up a lot, and I'm not going to go into it as much as I should, but give us some fucking feedback, man. That's all. Let us, let us know what's going on. It's it, it's important just because it helps us know what we should and shouldn't cover. You want to see us fucking cover a TV show? Boom. You want to see us cover some other shit? Let me know. And um, we will try and accommodate you guys. That's my rant for this evening, folks. Got to throw some plugs out there. Uh, BeantownGamer.com, Gamer Fit Nation, um, our guest, Michael Jai White, from a few weeks back. Amazing red, of course. Head over to the. Uh, House of Glory Online Wrestling Academy website. You can check that out. House of Glory um, they also have a Facebook fan page. Look them up on Facebook. Um, Michael Jai White site, of course, MichaelJaiWhite.com. superhero stuff.com, of course, and superhero stuff on Facebook, Northeast Wasteland, which is now Gamerwave. So head over to Gamerwave.com, Go Creed Go which is uh, Consequences Creed's website, which he is now Xavier Woods in WWE. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, The ladies at Girl Gamer and Gaming Angels for supporting the show. MMAGospel.com, of course, you can catch their show Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. MMA Valor, of course, for being a great content partner and a great colleague. Uh, Burke and the crew from This Is Wrestling Podcast for their work. Hayden Dalton from Darksiders. You can check his blog, haydendalton.wordpress.com, or look for him on on uh, Twitter. The VGN Radio crew, of course, Donnie, Kevin, Larry Max, Suisse, well, Don Cease isn't there anymore, uh, Jedi Hillis and all those guys. You can head over to vgnradio.com to get a show schedule. Don's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, is Tuesdays at... 10 p.m., I know he did it at 11 recently on the Blog Talk Radio Network, 30 minutes of pure awesomeness from Mr. Anderson, so definitely check that out. Um, Of course, BornStubberRadio.com, check Check those guys out as well. 411 Mania, OC Remix for the Kick-Ass Music, MMA Junkie, and FilmDrunk.com, of course, for their great MMA and movie news. Like I said at the top of the show, check out our iTunes app, head over to the iTunes store and check it out. It's $1.99. And also take a moment to rate the show. Let us know what you think. Help us move up those rankings. I know that we do better than some of those other guys on there, and that's not even me talking shit. I've just heard some of those other guys, and I definitely know we do a better job. So, hey, take a few seconds and do that. Also, if you're on Twitter, head over to the Shorty Awards, awards shortyawards.com, and nominate MTR in either gaming or entertainment. Last but not least, the MTR store is open. It's mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. Shirts, hoodies, uh, ladies' T-shirts, ringer T-shirts for the fellas. Check them out. Good prices. mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. We may have a guest next week. I don't know yet who it is. There's a couple of, of fingers and a couple of different pies, so to speak, to get some guests lined up for the remainder of February, but who knows? We may get a UFC fighter or two, maybe an adult film actress who's also a gamer, which should be interesting. We also got some crazy stuff going on for March. Hopefully, I'll be able to head over to the Strike Strikeforce uh, Grand Prix event next Tuesday. If I do, keep an eye on the Tumblr blog and on the site for that stuff. And that's it, folks. You've just heard My Take Radio, Episode 77 for Thursday, February 3rd two thousand and eleven. If you have an if you want to be a guest or have an email or a question or a concern, mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com are the places to go. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show account, it's My Take Radio, or you can follow my personal account, Akuma twenty five, a K U M A two five. On Twitter and on MySpace it's My Take Radio and of course the Facebook fan page. That's it folks. That's going to wrap it up for this week. I will see you guys next week, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Peace. Taking us out this week will be Mission 2 from Contra Force by Nick Perrin, ocremix.org.